And for all of us in here, let us turn to Luke chapter 4. And then I want you to flip over a few pages and go to Romans chapter 8. And keep your, keep your finger th- right there uh, on both, both locations. We're going to read briefly from both. Now I love this portion of scripture found in Luke. It uh, is quite a scene. Um, notice what happens here as we drop down in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke and pick up reading in verse 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So, Jesus went to church, at least his type of church at the time. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What a powerful moment that would have been, wouldn't it? Here's this great long-standing prophecy from Isaiah that's roughly 600 years old. He rolls out the scroll, reads from the word, rolls it back up, hands it to the attendant, sits down and says, today it's fulfilled because I'm here. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And may today, may it pierce us to the heart of the matter. We pray in your name. Amen. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So we've made it this far in our creed study. (laughs) We're coming down to the long stretch here. And in Luke 4, Jesus says, look, because I'm here, the Spirit. All the prophecies about the Spirit in the Old Testament are being fulfilled. And I want to read to you from... Romans 8 and 11, but from the New Living Translation, put simply just the first part of the verse, it says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. I think that's worth repeating, isn't it? The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Last week we talked a lot about death. Uh, you know, in the, in the creed section there, there was quite a bit about death. This week we talk about life. Abundant life. Life in the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. Now the teacher in me wants to sort of stop right now and, and systematically march through the person and the work 
of the Spirit, which is the way we typically deal with it in theology. And although I'm very tempted to do that, I'm not going to. I'm going to refrain because I want to focus on, instead of that, life in the Spirit. For it isn't enough for us to know about the Holy Spirit. We must receive Him into our person and allow Him to do His work. Who He is and what He does is important, and we need to know those things. But don't we know people better when we invite them into our home rather than learn about them in a classroom? You can tell me all day long how to play a card game, but I won't get it. Not until we play. And when we play, then I'll start getting it. So, let's play today this game of the Holy Spirit. And let's take a little test, because trial and error are great teachers in our life, aren't they? <laughs> do some things once and you never do it again, right? We've learned the hard way. And so are tests. Tests are actually good. I try, I try to convince my students of that, right? Tests are good. They're good for you. They're good for me. I can test what it is and measure what it is that we're talking about. We test our knowledge. We test the application of that knowledge. One can say all day long that they know something. But, like Jerry Maguire said, right? Show me the money. It really comes down to, show me. <laughs> Remember in the Matrix, I know Kung Fu. Show me. It's a great, great part. Really should probably think about maybe watching that. At least, at least YouTube that section, all right? <laughs> so let's take a test this morning. Uh, this test has one question with three parts. Don't you hate those? You know what I mean? It's like, I see what you're doing. You're trying to make it easy down to one question, but really it's three questions all wrapped up into one. Here are the question, here's the big question is this. Have you received the Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit Lord of your life? Is God's Spirit bringing life to your life? Is God's love shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit? Now before you take the test, uh, I want to give a bit of a study guide to explain the questions a bit further, all right? The Apostles' Creed towers as one of the most significant writings in the history of the world. There's no denying that. In a mere three paragraphs, think about it. We just sang it a little minute ago. In a mere three paragraphs with 12 affirmations that we've been walking through, in eight sentences, the Creed gives us the essential Christian story. What it is we need to believe. What it is that we believe. And within this magnificent framework of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. And it's why it has lasted all these years. 2,000, roughly. Years of belief. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is the divine third person of the Holy Trinity. 
And he's the one who even leads us into this third section now that we're in. That's going to end with a crescendo, you know. Culminating in Easter even for us. He is Lord, the Spirit is. And he is God as the other two persons in this divine community. Co-equal and yet distinct in his work. Distinct in his person. The language about the Spirit, of course, is given directly from Scripture. Nothing in the Creed, again, is unscriptural. It's 100% found there, even the language. And so we affirm that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Lord and God. But is He Lord of us? We can affirm that, but is He Lord of our heart? Our life. In our devotional readings this week, which if you don't have a copy of that devotion, there's one left. All right, just, just one. So we, I'm glad we were able to get, get those into, into the different homes. But in our devotional reading this week, um, there was this thought. The law in the Old Testament was given so that we would desire the Holy Spirit. It shows us that we need God's Spirit To obey. And then, this thought that God's Spirit was given so that we might obey. That's a powerful, powerful thought that sums up what it is God is doing in both the Old and New Testaments. The law is not abolished with Jesus. If anything, it intensifies with Jesus. There is no relaxing of the accelerator in the curve of moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Instead, he hits the gas and puts us on the straightaway of this highway of holiness. For he pushes the law to the heart of the matter. It doesn't even matter that you do it. It matters what is in your heart. The intentions of your heart. The law could only measure the outward, but the Spirit measures the inward. And even our innards, as I heard one preacher call it, can be the Lord's. We don't have to just be legalists trying to obey this law and that law but instead he can write his law on our hearts and make it a joy to obey them. What a thought that is. How many people even today are held under the oppression of the law? It doesn't have to be like that. You can be free today, free in the Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit need to be Lord of? Well, in short, everything. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life. C.S. Lewis in The Pilgrim's Regress, not progress, but regress, describes people imprisoned in a dungeon by a great giant called the Spirit of the Age. Have you met that giant? Have you felt that pressure of that giant's foot on you? Because I have. The spirit of our age 
has taken many. I know this place well. And there's no way out by yourself. There's no way that I can go up against this giant. But thanks be to God that the giants can fall with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus' secret weapon. His secret was that He came, He lived, He died, He rose, so that He might send His Spirit. That was a secret. He wooed in the enemy, Satan, the liar, and Satan thought he had won. But the early church fathers, they actually described this as a hook. God was fishing. Had the hook, the bait was Jesus, but the real hook that killed the enemy, death, is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's something. I mean, that's, I love the way. So God's power is his spirit, his ruach in Hebrew, his wind, his, his God's breath in us. So what, what spirits today have chained us and oppressed us? What desert are we living in where there is no wind of life, where we're suffocating? Is it the spirit of anger? Resentment? The awful master of lust? Lust of the flesh? Lust of the eyes? Uh, maybe a spirit of greed? A spirit of comparison? Have you met that spirit? That's the spirit of our age. What about the spirit of boredom? Entertainment, skepticism, unforgiveness, self, or what Paul calls the flesh. What about the pride of life? Have you met that spirit? What about the spirit of anxiety or the host of false prophets and spirits? False love, false understandings of sex, of marriage. What about the spirit of lying and deception? The spirit of foolishness? Well, we could go on for days, couldn't we? There are many, many spirits in this world. (laughs) But there is only one spirit we need. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. Give us that breath, O God. Let the wind of your spirit... How and scatter the other spirits of this age. He can free us only if we ask. Some of us have gotten way too used to the spirits of our age. We've become comfortable, imprisoned in their lies. No more, my brothers and sisters. Let us ask for freedom. Is he Lord? That's the first subset of the one question that we're asking today. What about life? The Spirit, he is not only Lord, but he is life and wants to bring life. We need God in us. The Spirit brings light 
and with light comes life. But we have to come out of hiding and come into the light and be exposed. Some things only grow in the dark. You know what I mean? Only when hidden do they grow. Once exposed to the light, they die. They wither. Let the light of the Holy Spirit shine in on your life. And He can be Lord. May we reach a place where we beg the Lord to be Lord. We have too many masters. We need only one. Lord Spirit. We need only one. Lord Spirit. Stop being controlled by these other masters. There's only one Lord. Are we far more in love with the things of this world or the things of the Spirit of Christ? If we will confess today and repent and make room for God, space for God in His temple, His temple, He will come to us, won't He? There will be an advent of the Spirit, a Pentecost of fire. Perhaps you've already tried to pull yourself together. And that didn't work. Maybe you've exhausted all of your strength. You know what to do. You just don't want to do it. You don't find the strength to do it. You know you shouldn't do certain things, but because we are weak, we do them. And then we justify them, don't we? We're always looking for those workarounds, those hacks, glitches. You know, I've been a gamer some of my life. And sometimes you find a glitch in a game. And you can exploit that glitch to the demise of the other people playing. And there's this big debate within the video world of, well, is that cheating or is that just the fault of the developers? And we're always looking for this sort of thing, aren't we? In our own lives, the glitch that allows us to do something else that we know we shouldn't be doing. Or maybe we justified in a certain way of something we know we should be doing. We know we should go to our neighbor and love them in certain ways. And we don't. And we justify it. Someone else will do it. We say it's not really cheating. It's only texting. If I squeeze this amount through and never tell anyone, it won't hurt this big company. I mean, they have plenty anyway. It's only pornography, not adultery. It's not even real. I said that because someone needed to hear it. Because they deserved it. Or... We talk about somebody and then say, pray for them. 
We justify it in many different ways and we look for the glitches and the hacks to God's law. But there shouldn't be any. We shouldn't be trying to get so close to the edge. We'll fall off. We'll lose our soul. Maybe lose our family. Lose our job. Lose our life. His design is for us. It is good for us. Just like a parent pleading with their child, this is good for you. They can't see it at the time. But there must be trust. I know what is best for my sons and my daughter. I want them to live. I want them to be healthy. And God pleads with us, son, daughter, trust me. You won't understand it. Everything in your body is telling you to go the other way. But trust me. Trust me. God wants to dwell in us because He cares for us. That's why. He's the solution. (laughs) It's not something other than God. It's God. God is always God's solution. I read this book one time that you ever had a word stun you? Like you're like, whoa. It's probably even a made up word a lot of times that stun. It's like, wow. And you know, Paul did this. We don't have time to talk about it. Paul did this. He would would smash words together in the Greek that had never been used before. Because he just did. He wasn't able to find the language to tell of the good news and the mystery of Christ. So he had to make up words. I think it's okay to make up words sometimes. I'll try to. One word that came to me that surprised me, it was, it was a book by Charles Williams uh, called The Descent of the Dove. He meant by that the spirit. Now he was an inkling with J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. So he was one of their compadres. And this book, I don't even, I don't even understand. I, I didn't understand a fourth of it. But the mystery that I knew it was talking about was real. Does that even make sense? The Holy Spirit to many of us is just a great mystery. If we were told and pushed in a corner, define for me the Holy Spirit, most of it would be, uh, uh, uh. It's like when you ask me about my wife. I know her better than anybody in this room. And yet, if you were asked me to tell you about her, I would have trouble doing that. Why? Because she's bigger than what I can explain. At the end of the day, you just have to meet her for yourself and experience her. And it is the same way with God. We can speak until we're blue in the face or until we've exhausted all the words that we have and even make up words that we don't have. And we still won't capture all of the glory and awe and mystery of the Holy Spirit. And this word that Charles Williams had was coherence. That's probably not a word you use regularly in your vocabulary. Maybe you should use it this week somehow. Maybe that's a good challenge for us, huh? You're like, we're already taking a test, dude. Chill out. 
This term, coherence, I think captures a little bit of what God wants to do in us. He wants to co-in-here. Now let's break down the words real quick. Co, root word there, just with, you know, with something, cooperate, right? Coordinate, it's with something. In here, think about that. I think the best way and the simplest way for us to define it, in here, right? Inherent, right? Inherent is essentially the nature of something. Co with in here. And I want to add one other thing to that and say this. It's like I wrote this all these dash definitions. You know what I'm talking about? Like with dash another dash in here. Or in dash here. So it's with another in here. Isn't that what God wants to do? Right or wrong? He wants to be in here with us. And we're never alone when that happens. What a thought that is. You're never, ever, ever alone. Not with God co-inhering. Isn't this what Jesus prayed in John 17? He says, I do not ask for these only, which were the ones who were hearing him pray, but also for those who believe in me through their word, which that's us, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, he's praying, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's quite a prayer, isn't it? That's just part of it. And that prayer is for you. That prayer is for me. For me. Me. What's the third part of this question? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received His love? There's one thing stronger than death. Love. Love is stronger than death. Love defeats death. Not just life. You'd think it'd be life. But love. Love makes life worth living. Living doesn't make love's worth. Love brings worth to all things. If dogs go to heaven, it's because they are loved. They're loved by God. They're loved by people. 
anything that is loved, I believe, enters into an eternity with God's eternal life. If we go to heaven, it's because we are loved and we love. Love is the foundation of all of life. And life is made eternal in love. When God is Lord, He brings love. We're not just talking about any definition of love now. This is God's love. And God's love is other-centered. Kind of like in the shape of a cross. Like a big hug. You know, when somebody goes to hug you big time, you know, they're like, come on, bring it in, right? They're across all of a sudden. This is God's love for us, isn't it? He's always open arms. Ready to receive us. His agape love for us. The last thing that my pappy said to me was he told me he loved me. On the phone, a couple weeks before he died, he said, love you too, son. He always called me son, even though I was his grandson. He loved me. What is that even worth? Think about that. Think about all that includes. I remember preparing to speak at his funeral, and the one thing I wanted to do was honor him, right? Honor his life. And so you go to the core, you go to the essential things, the inerrant things. My three points about him was he was loved, he loved, and now he is in love himself. When his eyes closed in this world, they opened to love himself. And as I spoke, my voice didn't shake because I had a true hope about my pappy. And you can have that same hope. That love is stronger than death. There was more than meets the eye to my pappy and there's more that meets the eye to you and to me. How about we just say that real quick? Look at somebody. I know this is kind of, you know, if you're like, oh man, I don't know this person, you know. <laughs> it's okay, we're not going to say anything crazy intimate, all right? We're just going to say, you are more than meets the eye. You ready? You're more than meets the eye. more than meets the eye. All right. That shouldn't take that long now. All right, we're done. All right, the last thing I want to say is this. What a thought that God loves us and sends love to us in the form of His Holy Spirit, who is a person of the Holy Trinity, the third person who is sent to us. Oh, give us that love, God, your agape love. We need your breath in us. How many of us, if we were to see our soul, would see 
more darkness than light. More death than life. We need His love. And love is the foundation. Because God is love. (laughs) Not just something He does. He is love. Himself. A loving community. A loving family. And love has defeated death. And it always will. It always will. Where there is death, there is separation. But where there is love, there is unity. And oneness. Any true work of God will result in love and oneness. Today, are you willing to recognize that some of the spirits of this age have held you in captivity too long? And now it's time to make room for God's Spirit. I mean, what if this could be the day? Seriously, just honestly think about it. Where you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, you're questioning my salvation. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. You get all the Spirit when you're saved. But He does not have all of you. That's proven over and over again. And throughout your journey into Christ, you're going to have to give more, and he's going to go deeper. He's going to open up new rooms, even closet rooms, locked rooms. He may even break down a wall to make room for himself. And we must let him. He knows best. Will we go another hour without the Spirit of God? Instead of that, let us say this, less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. Some of us need to just get fed up with ourselves. You know? We're fed up with everybody else, aren't we? Fed up with the way people drive and fed up with this and the government and all that. Let's get fed up of ourselves and start emptying ourselves because we know self is not the answer, don't we? We should. And then we can make room. For the Holy Spirit. Have you believed in the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? He is more than just the power of God. He's the very presence of God in us. Co-inhering. Bringing life and light and love. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of your Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy His consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Make space for Him today. Take the test. Have you received the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead? Take the test. Where's the evidence? Talk with God. Make space for Him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.